Welcome to the sermon podcast of Paley Presbyterian Church. The following sermon is by Pastor Becca Bruner. So we start the message today, I, I got a question for you. And it's a question I actually want you to answer. Like, if you're watching this uh, with another person in your home, you can turn to them, talk to them about your answer. Uh, if you're on your own with this, you can maybe let me know your answer. Type it in that say hi form. Let, let me know what you think. Uh, but I want, want you to answer this question. When it happens, occasionally, as it does to all of us, somebody comes to you and they say, hey, I got good news and I got bad news. If you're given the choice, which one do you want first? Do you want the good news first or the bad news first? Which kind of person are you? What's your answer to that? I will tell you that, that for me, I am 100% a, a bad news first kind of person. I wonder if any of you are, are with me on that. Because I figure, you know, sure, give me the bad news. I'm not going to like it. It's not going to be great, but tell it to me straight and then we can move on, right? And then we can get to the good news. It can only get better from there. I am a bad news first and then the good news kind of person. And, and in reality is we are living in such a good news, bad news kind of world right now, aren't we? There's, there's just so much good and, and bad going on of both often kind of at the same time. Like for instance, just, just think good news recently for a lot of us parents especially the kids are going back to school bad news it's never going to be on the same day it falls on like the lunar eclipse cycle and so you got to plan everything out minute by minute week to week three years in advance it feels like good news you get to go back to your office to work bad news you gotta wear pants Good news, COVID vaccines are getting approved, they're effective, they're out there, they're starting to get distributed. That's really good news. Bad news, you have to have like a PhD in internet signy-uppy forms. I think that's a technical term, internet signy-uppy forms. You gotta have a PhD and know how to do all that or, or, or and both have to be able to like stay up till 3 a.m. with your hand kind of hovering over the button just to click that button to just the right time to, to get your slot, to get your shot. Good news, we have made it through one entire year of being church together, worshiping, connecting, small groups, giving, serving, all that completely online. Did you know that? Do you know it's been exactly one year today uh, that since we had our very first online worship service. More to say on that later, but I just have to say we are so amazed by what we've been able to do and be and accomplish as a church together in this last year. We could have never imagined. So yes, good news. We have made it through an entire year of doing and being church online, but bad news. We've had to do this for an entire year, just doing and being church, just online. It's been amazing, but it's also been really hard. It's been hard to be a part. That's not the way church or life or anything is supposed to be. So, yeah, there's, there is a lot of good news out there, but there's a lot of bad, too, and often they just go hand in hand. 
Well, today, as we look at this next statement in the Apostles' Creed, it says, I believe in the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, same thing. As we think about that statement, we're going to listen to Jesus as he he shares with his disciples some good news and some bad news that that really go together. So we're, we're going to set the scene here a little bit before we get to the scripture. Jesus is sharing his final meal with his disciples, though at this point they have no idea it's their last meal. They just think they're having dinner, a regular dinner with their friend and their mentor, Jesus. And in the middle of this dinner, Jesus drops this major bad news bomb on them. He tells them, he says, children, I'm with you for only a short time longer. You're going to look high and low for me. But just as I told the Jews, I'm telling you where I go, you're not able to come. So this is some bad news for the disciples. I mean, for the last three years, they'd spent practically every waking moment with Jesus. They'd been laughing with him, eating with him, walking, talking, fishing, learning from him, just just being with him. And all of a sudden, the conversation takes this turn, and Jesus tells them, I'm going away, and where I'm going, you can't come. They don't understand it yet, but Jesus is trying to prepare them for, for what we've spent the last few weeks talking about, Jesus' death and burial his descent into hell, his resurrection from the dead, and ultimately his ascent into heaven. If you haven't been with us these last several weeks, you're not sure what I'm talking about, go back, watch the videos, or listen to the podcast, catch up with us about about all of Jesus' story. It'll be really worth your time. But for now, suffice it to say, Jesus is giving his disciples some bad news. He's going away. But it's not just bad news. There's, there's actually some really good that's about to come at the disciples' way. So we're going to skip ahead to chapter 16, where Jesus says, you know what, it's better for you that I leave. Jesus says, yeah, yeah, I, I know that, that this actually sounds like bad news, that, I, that I'm leaving, but it, in reality, it, it's, it's really good news. It's better for you that I leave, and, and here's why. Jesus says, it's better for you that I leave. If I don't leave, the friend won't come. But if I go, I'll send him to you. The the friend that Jesus is talking about here is the Holy Spirit. And what Jesus knows, what the disciples don't yet know, is that the presence of the Holy Spirit would actually be better than Jesus' physical presence himself. The presence of the Holy Spirit would be better than his own. Jesus tells us a lot about this Holy Spirit in this final conversation he had with his disciples. And so we're going to just highlight a couple of them, a couple of things that Jesus says. So, and so we're going to look at a couple passages of scripture. First one is uh, from John 14, starting at verse 15. Jesus said, if you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. I will talk to the Father, and he'll provide you another friend so that you will always have someone with you. This friend is the spirit of truth. The godless world can't take him in because it doesn't have eyes to see him, doesn't know what to look for. But you know him already because he's been staying with you and will even be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I'm coming back. 
In just a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you are going to see me because I am alive and you're about to come alive. At that moment, you will know absolutely that I'm in my Father and you're in me and I'm in you. The person who knows my commandments and keeps them, that's who loves me. And the person who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and make myself plain to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said, Master, why is it that you are about to make yourself plain to us, but not to the world? Because a loveless world, Jesus said, is a sightless world. If anyone loves me, he will carefully keep my word, and my Father will love him. We'll move right into the neighborhood. Not loving me means not keeping my words. The message you are hearing isn't mine, it's the message of the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things while I'm still living with you. The friend, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send at my request, will make everything plain to you. He will remind you of all the things I have told you. I'm leaving you well and whole. That's my parting gift to you. It's peace. I don't leave you the way you're used to being left, feeling abandoned and bereft. So don't be upset. Don't be distraught. And then skipping ahead to John 16, starting at verse 12, Jesus says, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't handle them now. But when the friend comes, the spirit of truth, he will take you by the hand and guide you into all the truth there is. He won't draw attention to himself, but will make sense out of what is about to happen. And indeed, out of all that I have done and said, he will honor me. He will take from me and deliver it to you. Everything the Father has is also mine. That is why I've said he takes from me and delivers to you. So looking at, at Jesus' words here in John, we're going to learn from Jesus about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to learn three things about the Holy Spirit. We're going to learn who the Holy Spirit is. We're going to learn what the Holy Spirit is does. And finally, we're going to learn how we connect to the Holy Spirit's power. So let's dig in. First question is, who is the Holy Spirit? And the answer to that question is, the Holy Spirit is the personal presence of God. Do you notice in this, in this passage, in, in all that Jesus is saying about the Holy Spirit, he never calls the Holy Spirit and it. When talking about the Holy Spirit, Jesus always says he, not it, he. Now, that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit's a man. What that does mean is that the Holy Spirit is a person. Holy Spirit's a person. Holy Spirit's not, not a vapor, not a force, not the force. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is one of the three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the personal presence of God. Now, I, I, I've heard people say throughout the years, and I, I think I've even said sometimes myself, that, you know, gosh, being a Christian would be just, just so much easier if we had Jesus right here, right here with us, in front of us, like, like the disciples did, right? Have you ever felt that way? Like, 
Like if we could just see Jesus, if we could talk to him, we could hear his voice audibly, then, gosh, it would just be so much easier to believe in him. Yet, the disciples who had Jesus' physical presence right there with them, to those disciples, Jesus said it was better that he go away. Here's why. See, when Jesus was here on earth, his, his presence was restricted by geography, by time. See, if Jesus was in Capernaum and his disciples were in Jerusalem, well, he couldn't be with them. Likewise, if, if Jesus is hanging out at John's house, spending time with John, well, and Peter wanted his attention, well, Peter had to wait his turn, right? But God's desire has always been to be with his people, all his people. So in the coming of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God is no longer restricted. No longer would there be any barriers of time or space to prevent any person from being in intimate connection with God. So, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the personal presence of God. So then what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, the Holy Spirit is the personal presence of God who comes alongside us. We're reading, as many of you know, throughout this whole series, we're reading from the message version of the Bible. And, and in this version, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the friend. But if you check out other translations, you'll read all different kinds of names here for the Spirit. The, the King James Version calls him the comforter. Other versions call him the advocate or the helper. So when that happens, when every version has its own different word, a different translation, you know that, that probably this is kind of a tough word. This is a, a Greek word that it's hard to kind of come up with a direct English translation that really suffices. The Greek word here is paraclete. And it comes from the, the Greek verb parakaleo, which is actually two words glued together. It's a compound word. Para means to, to stand next to, to come near, to, to move alongside. And kaleo means to call out or to cry out for. So put those together. Para kaleo, the paraclete, is the one who stands next to us and cries out for us. The Holy Spirit is the personal presence of God who comes alongside us. And coming alongside us, the Holy Spirit does a number of really, really important things. For one thing, the Holy Spirit encourages us all of the time, but especially when things are hard, the Holy Spirit comes alongside us to give us the strength we need to keep going. A few years ago, I ran my very first and maybe last, I don't know, haven't done it again since, but I ran, I ran my very first half marathon, 13.1 miles. And I'd done a lot of running before that. I'd run 5Ks, I'd run 8Ks even, but those are just three or five miles. I'm not really that big of a deal. But I will tell you, adding 10 more miles to that, that was a big deal. That was a huge deal, at least to me, it was. And it's funny, in every you know race I'd run, the 5Ks, the, the 8Ks even, 
um, you know, when you're running a race, often people come out to cheer you on, right? They're standing on their sidelines, they're holding their little, little posters saying, yay, way to go, run those three miles. And I was always a little mystified by that. Cause like, I was like, yeah, it's three miles. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, thanks for cheering, but no thanks. But I'll tell you what, when I was uh, huffing and puffing and working and trying to run those 13 miles, I was very, very grateful for those cheers. The people who, who came alongside me as I ran, whether they were the, the people on the, the sidelines holding the posters or, or some of you actually at that point were sending me texts, you know, encouraging me as I went, it honestly helped so much. I could physically feel my energy increase with every cheer. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. See, all of us, in, in one way or another, we are all running an incredibly difficult race. I mean, some days feel easier than others, but, but for all of us, at some point of another, that race feels hard. And so as we run our race, it's the Holy Spirit who comes alongside us to give us the strength, to give us the energy, to give us the endurance to just keep putting one foot in front of the other. The Holy Spirit comes alongside the woman who, who has incredible courage as she battles cancer. It's the Holy Spirit who comes alongside the man who has this unshakable peace as the bills keep piling up and, and he knows his family's struggling. The Holy Spirit comes alongside that 20-something-year-old that who has no idea what he's going to do with his life, but he just keeps taking the next right step. Courage and peace and, and perseverance like that, they don't come from our own just working hard and gritting our teeth and getting things done. No, they, they come from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit encourages us. The Holy Spirit encourages us and the Holy Spirit also convicts us. Do you know that experience an experience of, of, of kind of wanting to do something that you know you probably shouldn't, but you kind of want to do it anyway. And, and when that happens, when you're in that experience, for a lot of us, we, we get that little, little voice in the back of our head saying, you probably shouldn't. Don't do it. Have you ever had that experience? Several years ago, I, I got to attend the uh, silent auction event, this very fancy, swanky event uh, fundraiser for City Team, one of our mission partners, right? Really good cause, really good. And I was there and I was going around looking at the things they were auctioning off and I noticed they had some beach houses and uh, I like the beach. And I like to be at a house at the beach. That's a fun thing for me. They were auctioning off these beach houses and it seemed to me like a really good deal. Like they were au auctioning off this four-bedroom Cape May beach house for just a thousand dollars and I was like that's a good deal I should get that house I mean it's for a good cause it's at a good beach I should get that house and I had this little voice in the back of my head saying you know I don't think your husband's gonna want you to get that house I think you should probably discuss this with your husband before you get that house and because I'm a good Christian, and because I'm a very good wife, I, did, I listened to that voice and I did not get that house. And I'm lying to you right now. 
I didn't do that. I heard that little voice tell me, eh, I probably don't want to do that. And I told that voice to shut it. And I put my name down on that piece of paper and I made my bid for $1,000 on that beach house. And I got it. I won it. And I gave my money to city team and I got my little voucher for my house and I went home and I had to have a um, somewhat unpleasant conversation uh, that was completely justified <laughs> with my husband, who ultimately was very gracious and forgiving. When we're about to do something that we know we shouldn't, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict us, to try to turn us around the other way. <laughs> and the converse is also true. When there's something that, that we should do, something that, that would further our love of God and our love for other people, it's the Holy Spirit who, who kind of pushes us in that direction, gives us those, those little nudges. Yeah, we all get those, you know, those times where you just think, hey, I, I, need to, I need to call that friend. I think she's feeling down. Or, you know, I need to go to church. I need some Jesus in my life. Or, you know what, I, I, I just got the sense I need to give away this money. There's somebody else who needs it more. Do you ever get nudges like that? I do. And I know that's the Holy Spirit convicting me to live the life that God desires for me. Avoiding the things that will hurt and, and then engaging in the things that will bring us life and love and to the life and love to the world. The Holy Spirit convicts us. And one last thing, the Holy Spirit encourages us, the Holy Spirit convicts us, the Holy Spirit also reminds us. Jesus said, the friend, the Holy Spirit, will make everything plain to you. He will remind you of all the things that I have told you. It's the Holy Spirit's job to teach us, to remind us of the truth about Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit is the personal presence of God who comes alongside us and points us to Jesus. There's a Bible scholar I've read a fair bit from. His name is Dale Bruner, not related to Dave or me, but he has some good things to say about the Holy Spirit. He calls the Holy Spirit the shy member of the Trinity. I like that. The Holy Spirit's the, the shy member of the Trinity. Holy Spirit never wants to draw attention to himself. And so when, when teaching about this, when, when, when Bruner really wants to help his students understand what he's talking about, he does this, this physical thing. He, he goes to, 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 to a, a whiteboard or a blackboard, and he, he draws a picture of Jesus. And then what he does, he says, here's what the Holy Spirit does for us. And he goes and stands behind that whiteboard or blackboard or whatever it is, and he reaches around and, and points at it. He says, that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit points not to himself, but to Jesus. He says, look at him, the Spirit says. Listen to him, learn from him, worship him, love him. Listen, there is no reason in the world why any person should want to follow Jesus except for the working of the Holy Spirit. Anytime any person shows any interest in Jesus, it's because the Holy Spirit pointed the way. So, listening to this today, you, you might consider yourself not to be a Christian, but you're discovering you kind of want to know more. You're, you're a little bit interested in this Jesus. 
or, or maybe you're a few steps further along and, and you're kind of at that point, you're like, I'm ready. I, I want to say yes. I want to give my life to him. Do you want to know why that is? Do you want to know why you're interested or, or why you want to give your life to Jesus? It's because the Holy Spirit is at work in your heart pointing you to Jesus. Or you, you might already be a believer, but you're feeling a desire for more. You want to grow. You want to read your Bible. You want to join a small group. You want to serve in ministry some way. That is the Holy Spirit in your heart, reminding you, pointing you, drawing you closer and closer to Christ. The Holy Spirit is the personal presence of God who comes alongside us and points us to Jesus. One last question before we close. How do we get the Holy Spirit? How do we connect to the Holy Spirit's power? Well, we don't have a lot of time left, so I'm going to give you two very, very, very simple answers. If you want to connect to the Holy Spirit's power, then you can do something, and you have to do nothing. Make sense? Let me explain. So if you want to connect to the Holy Spirit's power, if you'd like to receive the personal presence of God that encourages, convicts, and connects us to Jesus, then you can do something. There are tried and true spiritual disciplines, spiritual practices that Jesus' followers have engaged in for centuries that are really, really good at getting our hearts more connected to the Holy Spirit. And, spoiler alert, we're actually going to do a, a short sermon series on some of those very practices later in this spring. So stick around. If you want to connect with the Holy Spirit, you can do something. But the real truth is for you to connect deeply with the Spirit, intimately with the personal, powerful presence of God, then really, 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 you have to do nothing. Nothing. Not a single thing. I found this quote earlier this week, and I just, I just absolutely love it. It says, Every good thing God wants to shower on your life comes through the instrumentality of the Holy Spirit. Everything. Without the Holy Spirit, God has made no other provision for you to live the Christian life. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit's power, you'll never know a real, growing, genuine faith in God. And the fantastic news is that we don't have to do anything special to receive the Holy Spirit. No matter how conscious you are about His presence, the Spirit came to you and to me the moment we joined the family of God and the day we accepted the good news that Jesus is our Savior. Jesus said, If you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. I will talk to the Father and he'll provide you another friend so that you'll always have someone with you. Friends, something happens to us when we fall in love with Jesus. Something happens in us. We are changed. In the very moment we say yes to Jesus, we are changed because we become people who have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We are changed in that moment, and we are changed over a lifetime. 
as we learn to listen to that Spirit, to live by that Spirit, to let the Holy Spirit over and over again encourage us, convict us, and keep pointing us to Jesus. So I just want to encourage you today. Know that it just all starts with simply saying yes, saying yes to Jesus, saying yes to his gift of the Holy Spirit, surrendering your heart, surrendering your life to the one who has surrendered his life for you. Surrender to Jesus. Surrender to the Holy Spirit. Surrender to the personal presence of God who will come alongside you and point you to Jesus. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father. Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. 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 Amen.